You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Hi. Got your Bibles? Please turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and just hold it there. Um, Hebrews 11. We're talking about the authority of the believer, but today we're going to hit the angle of the authority of your words. Because when I think about the authority of the believer, God has given us authority, but how do we exercise authority? We actually exercise authority by the words we speak. The way we release the authority that's given to us is by the words we speak. Your authority will not be exercised if you don't speak it. It'll actually stay inside of you. You've got the authority, but you don't release it. So the authority of the believer is exercised through the authority of our words. So we need to get a deep revelation that our words carry authority whether you realize it or not. Now, do you know the Word of God in Isaiah 55 says, our, our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Yeah. Our ways are not God's ways. As far as the heavens, talk about the stars, you're going to get in a spaceship and sp- travel at the speed of light, it'll still take a million years to get the closest star. As far as the heavens are to the earth, so are my thoughts to your thoughts. So you will be challenged this morning because it's not my thoughts, it's God's thoughts. This is God's Word. It'll challenge you. It challenges me. It makes me think, Wow. This is the truth. This is God's word. I've got to live up to the word. True? We all got to hear the word. And if it doesn't challenge us, is it the word of God? If it's exactly how you think, is it the word of God? When when the word of God speaks to us, it's going to make us feel stretched. And I've got to change my thinking to the word. It's okay. That's normal. All right. It's just to let you know that you're going to feel stretched a little bit, I think. I believe. Um, We know that the Bible says that we are made in God's image. We've explained this for the last few weeks, but I have to reiterate it, lay the foundation quickly, because we have to be reminded. Even if you've heard it, you have to be reminded, okay, we are made in God's image. We find that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God made us, and He says, male and female, He made them, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, male and female, He made them in the image of God, He made them. So, God made man and woman. Together, they make up the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. We're in His image, we're in His likeness. We have the nature of God. Adam and Eve walked around like God. They were children of God. They were offspring of God. God came down when God made Adam from the dust of the earth. He made it from Adam from the dirt. He made him magnificent, but He used dirt as the raw material. But He was magnificent, but He wasn't alive. He was just a body, a beautiful body. Amazing, I'm sure. Amazing abs, chest. I mean, he must have been magnificent. God created him. And then God stooped down, the Bible says, and breathed into him the breath of life. The very spirit of man came from the very spirit of God. The word spirit means breath. God breathed. And all of a sudden, Adam became a living being. So the very breath of God, it's his very nature, breathed into him. Adam stands up and he walks like God. He talks like God. He acts like God. He's got the glory of God all over him. He's actually naked physically, but he's clothed with glory. Uh, Psalms 8 says that God clothed man with glory. So actually clothed, yeah. we think they're naked, but really they're clothed with the very glory of God. They didn't see each other's nakedness. But God said, you know, you so many things for them to do in the tree of the gardens. There was a lot of trees in the gardens to eat from. But there's one tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I believe is the freedom to do your own thing. The only, the only tree I don't want you to eat from is that tree that says you can do your own thing, think your own ways and all that. That tree, don't eat of it. Because if you eat that tree and you act in disobedience, you don't listen to me, God saying, 
You will surely die. In the day that you eat of it, you will die. Did they physically die straight away? No, but they spiritually died. God's word never, it's always true. God says they're going to die, they're gonna, they died. So what did they lose? They lost the presence of God. They actually lost the nature of God. They had the nature of God inside of them. Their mind was renewed and thinking like God. But all of a sudden, they spiritually died and fear came, guilt came, shame came. Now they're running from God, clothed, them, clothed themselves with fig leaves. And they're full of fear and guilt running from God. But they were made in God's image. Now they lost the image of God. They lost it. Every single person born after Adam, we inherited his nature. We're born into sin, not God's nature. But we're born into sin, shaped into iniquity. We're spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You were dead in your trespasses and your sins, but God made you alive in Christ. So that's why Jesus says a man must be born again. Why? Because our spirit's dead. So our spirit has to become alive to have a relationship with God. And how do we do that? God had to bring another Adam. The first Adam lost the fight with the devil. It was a big fight. And the devil beat Adam. And Adam lost on behalf of mankind. So God had to bring another Adam called the last Adam in 1 Corinthians and the second Adam. Jesus was a man. He was God. I know that. We fully believe Jesus was God. But the Bible says in Philippians, he emptied himself of the privilege of being God and became a man, fully a man. And he obeyed God the Father as a man. And he took on the devil, took on our fight on our behalf to defeat the devil on our behalf. And he actually stripped Satan of the authority. And got it back for us. You know, when he died on the cross, he didn't die for himself, did he? He died for our sins. He died for your sins. He died for the sins of humanity. Him who knew no sin became sin on the cross, that we might become the righteousness of God. So when he dies, I believe his spirit was taken to hell. And after he suffered for three days and three nights, I believe he was resurrected from the dead. The glory of the Father came into his spirit, raised him up. His body's still in the tomb. We're talking about his spirit going to hell. The Bible says when he got resurrected, he took the keys of Satan. Death and hell, he took him. And then when he, go, he goes back into his physical body, a lot of things happen because then I believe he went to heaven, the very holy of holies, and poured out his blood for us. That's in Hebrews 8, 9, and 10. So when he dies on the cross, it was, it was finished in the sense that he cannot, he cannot um, nothing can go wrong. When you breathe your last after that point, nothing can go wrong because he's just paid the price. It's finished. His work of obedience is done. But the redemption was carrying on because he poured his blood out in the altar in heaven. And with his resurrected body, once he's got resurrected, he stands up before he gives a command to everybody. He says, I have all, Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 18. I have all authority under heaven and earth. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. How did he get it? Dying on the cross, taking it back from Satan on our behalf. He says, therefore, you go and preach the gospel. So we have to understand that the authority has been taken. But yes, we lost it. I understand that. But Jesus got it back and he actually gave it to you and I. But we've got to understand when God created Adam and Eve in the Genesis chapter 1, he, it's like he drew a line in the sand. He really did. Because God himself said, I give you authority. He said to mankind, you rule and take dominion over all the earth. All the earth means all the earth, doesn't it? He has all the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, everything over all the earth. You take authority. Is, does a storm, a storm, a tsunami, an earthquake come in line with all the earth? Well, it's all the earth. It's part of all the earth. Jesus had authority over the storm. He gave that to man. Now, if God gives his word, he speaks it out. 
draws a line. He says, I give you authority. God won't cross that line. Who's got the authority of the earth? God or us? We do because God gave it to us. We have to settle it forever. Actually, God gave it to mankind. If the earth is a mess, it's not God's fault because we messed it up. In our fallen nature, our spiritually dead nature, and the words we've spoken all the time over the world and over ourselves and over our life. God will not break His word. He gave us the authority to rule and to reign. The authority of the earth is in us. Proverbs 18.21, so many of us quote it. You know that scripture? Death and life is in the power of the devil. Does it say that? No. But a lot of people act like death and life is in the power of the devil. They're so afraid of the devil. Oh, the devil's attacking me. Oh, the devil's after me. You know, it's like so many Christians blame the devil for what they've done. Death and life is not in the power of the devil. Death and life doesn't even say death and life is in the power of God. It actually says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue. Think about it for a second. Death and life is the power of my tongue. We're exercising this whether we realize it or not. We're exercising authority over our own life, whether we realize it or not. We're doing it all the time. I'm doing it all the time. It's the words we speak. And I I really want to explain this. Hebrews 11 verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds, that word world means the cosmos, the physical world, the earth, the sun, the universe, everything that you could see was framed by the word of God. God framed it by his word. He spoke it out so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things that are seen weren't made by things that are visible. So the unseen force of faith in God's heart created the seen world. Something unseen created the the seen. Does that make sense? Spiritual created physical. All physical matter is, in in a sense, as a source from spiritual. Because God spoke it. The unseen force of God's faith was spoken and then the universe came into being. True? You find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, I love God when he begins. He writes through Moses. Moses says, in the beginning, God. When you're God, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to give a reason. Don't have to give, hey, earth, this is why I'm God. It just doesn't explain. I, I love God. Just in the beginning, God. Created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. So the earth, you look all that up, it actually means without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So the ocean must have covered everything. There was no land yet. He didn't create the land to come up yet. So there's water over the whole earth, the face of the water, and, uh, and the Spirit of God was hovering. It's like the word we get when a chicken broods over an egg, sits over an egg and broods it. The Holy Spirit's hovering over the whole face of the earth. But isn't it interesting nothing's happened yet? The almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing Spirit of God, but nothing's created. Only when the Bible says, then God said. Didn't think. Didn't think it into existence. Then God said, light be. And then light was. God could have done this. Remember darkness on the face of the earth and and the whole earth is full of void and it's... uh, Without form and it's darkness. Because he's, oh, guys, angels, uh, Gabriel, Michael, it's really dark out here. If God says it was dark out here, it would remain dark. If he said what he saw, it would have stayed that way. But God didn't say what he saw and what was there. He said, light be, and he created. That's how God operates. We're his children. 
There is a scripture in Ephesians 5, verse 1, as dear children, imitate God. Why does it say that? Well, how can the Bible tell us to imitate God if we can't imitate God? We can imitate God because we're in His image. We're made in His likeness. Yes, we lost it, but God, God through Christ regained it. My dead spirit has come alive. Your dead spirit has come alive, been resurrected, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And now He says, imitate God. We're doing it all the time. We're speaking. We're creating the, the worlds around us through our words and through our unbelief. Romans chapter 5, really quickly, verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through that one man, who's that one man? Adam. For his offense death reigned through that one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace. Have you received abundance of grace? I have because I accepted Jesus. He abundantly forgave me for free because he died on the cross. I didn't have to do anything to earn it, deserve it, work for it. I didn't have to be good enough. You didn't have to be good enough. You just accepted abundance of grace. How much more we who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. He gave us gift of right standing with him. The word reign, next one, shall reign, will reign in life. The word reign is this word, it's like reign like a king. Because we've got grace, because we've got right standing with God, we rule and we reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We reign and rule our life through Jesus. He empowers us to rule and to reign. Isn't that good? Because uh, I believe when you're, uh, when you're royalty, you make decrees. Kings make decrees. You don't have to make big detail things and uh, give, you know, this is what I want you to do and give all the details. He just say, just decree what they want. They decree the result and servants make it happen. That's what a king operates like. And this is really what we're like. Because the Bible says, if you didn't know, that you are a royal nation. A royal priesthood, sorry, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. And it also says in uh, Revelations, that we, chapter 5, verse 10, that we are, we, we're going to reign with Christ as kings and priests. We are already kings. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we are ambassadors of God. An ambassador, if I'm an ambassador of Australia and I have to go to another country, I can't just speak my own thing, my own will. I can't say what I think... I, they're not going to back. Australia will not back me if I just do my own thing. I have to know what they want and what I'm, what's expected of me. I have to know what they will act on, what they, the, the decrees that they've given. And then I, I am an ambassador for them. I speak on their behalf. And whatever I say, they will back because I know their will. So we don't speak our own thing. We have to speak God's will. We have to know what the will of heaven is. What is the will of the kingdom of heaven? So we can speak only the will of the kingdom of heaven. Job 22, it's in your Bible, write it down, please look it up. Verse 28 says, You shall also decree a thing, and it shall be established. What? God's Word says, You shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you, and the light shall shine upon your ways. How? By decreeing it. By speaking it. The words you speak have authority. This is the guideline. Matthew 18, verse 18 this is the amplified transversion, uh, uh, translation, <laughs> transversion, <laughs> translation, and it says, "I love this because it really defines and explains the Greek really, really well." It says, "I assure you," Jesus says this. "I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind, and in brackets forbid, declare to be improper, improper and unlawful on earth, shall have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose, permit, declare." 
lawful to be on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. So you can only speak here on this earth what is allowed in heaven. Didn't Jesus teach us that prayer? He taught us, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What is he praying? He's praying that the will in heaven, what's happening in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the will that is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? Then I can pray God's health to be here. Would you imagine any depressed people in heaven? No way. I can't imagine anyone walking around depressed. What are you doing? In the gold streets. The, the clear, transparent gold streets. Mansions everywhere. Beautiful Jesus on his throne. Oh, what's wrong? Depressed? No one's going to be depressed in heaven. No one's going to have anxiety thoughts. No worries. See if I can pray that will here on earth. I'm telling you that when you have this understanding of the foundation that you have authority, very hard to get depressed. Why? Because you've got authority to think your own thoughts. Cast down the negative thoughts. Cast down the bad thoughts. If it's a depressed thought coming to your mind, don't let it stay there. Maybe no one's ever told you. You can choose your thoughts. Yeah, I just think, no, I'm not going to think that way. I have to catch myself. I've got to realize it's think, I'm thinking wrong. And I go, no, I'm not going to go there. And I get rid of it and I think godly thoughts. I have authority to do that. You have authority to do that. That's what makes you like God. You have a free will. You can choose your own thoughts. Choose your own decisions. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. This is a foundational thought by Jesus. Jesus gave us this truth. He's a good man. Out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, out of the evil that's deposited. The word treasure means deposited in his heart, brings forth evil things. And I know we get... We, hang up, we get hung up on that word evil, but it just means twisted. You can say an evil, twisted, insecure, fearful person out of the evil, insecure, twisted things in his heart. He brings forth evil things for, next verse, out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth is speaking. Whatever's in your heart in abundance, you end up speaking. So if I've got the good word of God deposited in my heart, I end up speaking the word of God and I end up receiving what I'm speaking. Jesus is trying to say, how do things happen to us? He ended up saying, a bad fruit, a bad tree in its roots cannot produce good fruit. And a good tree that's healthy in its roots cannot produce bad fruit. That's when he quoted that. A good man had a good treasure in his heart, brings forth good things. An evil man, negative, insecure, fearful things. If I feel unloved, nobody loves me. No one ever treats me with respect. No one thinks I'm special. If I think I'm not valuable, I, I portray that. I'm repelling that. That's what I'm broadcasting. And everyone, no one wants to hang around with someone like that. If you think I'm not so, no one likes me, no one wants me, and I'm always rejected, I'm always feeling insecure. You've got to see that you're loved by God. God loves you. You are valuable. You are so valuable that Jesus hung on the cross just for you. When you believe it, now that's something that I received 31 years ago. So that changed my life at the age of 19. Started thinking, God, you love me. Those, those truths have never stopped changing me, still changes me today. The value, the reality of how much he loves me, it changes you. So what's actually happening? My heart's changing. The point I'm trying to make, we have to somehow, which is through the word of God, download heaven into our hearts. So it changes your software. It changes your hard drive, so to speak. If you don't have heaven's, the kingdom of heaven, I'm talking about the thoughts of heaven, the will of heaven, the presence of heaven, the, leaven, the, the, the love of heaven, everything about heaven, it's got to be downloaded here. And when it's inside you, you end up speaking what's inside you. That's how you get the reality of what's in heaven because it's inside of you. Whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose here on earth should have already been loosed in heaven. 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2 says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has already blessed us. How did he do that? Because Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die for himself. He did it for us. Everything he fought for and got back for us is credited to our account. So in heaven, there's actually every spiritual blessing that you need. That's why Paul could say, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in heavenly, according to his riches in glory in heavenly places. So he doesn't even supply your needs according to the earth's riches. He goes beyond that, even though there's a lot of riches here, according to his uh, glorious riches in heavenly places. So there's glorious riches in heavenly places that God has supplied all your needs with. Now, do you believe that? Do you see yourself with that abundance of provision? That if I'm doing the will of God, God will provide. If I'm obeying God and I'm an ambassador of His kingdom, He's going to back His will. That's what you're to be assured of. If I'm doing my own thing, He's not going to back you. If I'm following my own life, you've got Nahu backing. Because you haven't laid, you know, laid down your life. You haven't taken up your cross to follow Him. So the whole point is, take up, lay down your life to follow Jesus, and then He backs you. This whole revelation of whatever's inside you, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Jesus used it with, um, I mean, Jesus, I think when the Old Testament examples, I really believe God knew, Jesus knew the word so well that he, he, he coined these things. But the 12 spies, God told Moses, go get 12 elite leaders of the tribe, the best of the best. These are the leaders. Let those 12 men go into the promised land. And let them see the promised land. They need to look at the fruit. They need to see what it's like. Let them see the enemy. If they're walled cities or if they're not walled cities. If there's trees, if they're fruit. Let's see how big the fruit is. For 40 days, they went into the promised land to have a look. They're supposed to come back and bring a report to encourage the people that they can do it. Ten people, ten of those leaders, the ten spies came back with a bad report. The Bible says an evil report or a bad report. And guess what they reported? What they reported was what they saw. They reported the natural. They said, they are giants. They're walled cities. And the man, you should see how big they are. These are the son of Anak, Anak, you know, the son of the giants. Children of Anak. And, 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 and we looked like grasshoppers compared to them. This is how they saw themselves. Remember inside of your heart? If your heaven's not downloaded in you. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, the enemy saw them as grasshoppers. And, that, and so we were in their sight. That's what the Bible says. So the way you see yourself, other people around you end up seeing you that way. And they just told the people and made all the people murmur and complain and get into a negative spirit. And two that saw the same thing, Joshua and Caleb says, we are well able. We can do this. So it's in the context that the 12 spies were in Egypt and they saw the hand of God do miracles, 10 plagues. The massive plague would come on the children of Egypt and never touch the children of Israel. 10 of them, major ones. Then the Red Sea opened up in front of their eyes and the army of Egypt got drowned. I mean, they, they saw this. That God expected more from them. Yes, in the natural, they're giants, but with God, we can do it. That's the whole point. Joshua and Caleb said, we are, what was in them? They could see, we can do this. They were the only two that were allowed to go in. I'll read you a scripture. This is from Numbers 14.28. God says this. God say, and... and, and God told Moses to say unto them, As truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. In other words, because you said you're going to die, that's what's going to happen. 
I'm going to let you die in the, in the wilderness. You, the whole generation is going to, we're going to wait for 40 years. One year for each day, for 40 days they're in there. And we're going to wait till you die. And then your children will enter in. Only Joshua and Caleb will be allowed to go in. So when you've got the image of God inside you in the kingdom of heaven, no one around you can stop you from going into the promised land. Your friends can't. Your husband can't. Your parents can't. Your children can't. Your workers can't. Your friends can't. No one can if it's in you. What's in you will come out. No one can stop that. But you've got to make sure it's in you. You've got to download the kingdom of heaven inside of you. You do that every day by spending time with the king. Spending time in the word. Change your thinking. Joshua chapter 6 verse 26 says this. Then Joshua made them take an oath at that time. So he told all the people, repeat after me. Let's make this oath. Cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and rebuilds this city of Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation. And with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates. They made a decree. They spoke it out. How powerful are the words? He made them repeat it. Generations later, long time later, everyone would have forgot about it. No one would have known about it. This is what happened in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34. In his days, Heel, the Bethelite, rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundation with the loss of Ibram, his firstborn, and set up its gates with the loss of his youngest son, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Joshua, the son of Nun. How powerful our words are. Joshua declared it with the children of Israel, and generations later, someone tries to rebuild Jericho, lost his firstborn and his youngest son by rebuilding it, while they're building it. That's the power of our words. There's so much power. There's uh, Zacharias chapter... Luke chapter 1, in your Bibles, this has got to be one of the most greatest examples or stories, a manifestation of unbelief in the Bible. It has to be. I really, this is why it was, it was an extreme result. But this is, Zechariah was a priest, a Jewish priest, going to the temple. He would do his duties. And while he's doing his duties, I mean, they've been praying all their life, very, very old man by now. His wife's very, very old, praying all their life to have a child and they're barren. It's a big deal, especially in the culture in those days. And no children. They just tried all their life, believing God, believing God, and they're barren. And this is what happens to him. And when Zechariah saw him, the angel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. He's shaking and trembling. He's seeing an angel right in front of his eyes. I think it was Gabriel. And, and, and it's the glory emanating from him. Brilliant light coming from this angel. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you shall call him. His name will be John. And you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong. And he gives him the whole spill of the type of life he will live and the purpose he will have. I mean, this is the angel speaking face to face with Zacharias. I mean, come on, I don't know how you would react. You're, you're watching something, a supernatural encounter. And he says, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. That's what he's going to do, John the Baptist. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, to prepare the people for Jesus to come, the Messiah. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? In, in another translation, it's like, how can this be? I'm old. He actually says, how should I know this? For I'm old, man. My wife is well advanced. And I, he's talking to an angel. How can this happen? I'm old. That's a very negative statement, by the way. 
very full of unbelief. It's like, you just told me something supernatural. I'm watching an angel and you're telling me it's going to happen. And, and he's saying, how can this happen? So what does the angel do? Angel answered, said to him, I am Gabriel. I don't know if he got angry, but just made this. I am, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these good news. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the days of these things take place. Now, why would that happen? Why would God allow angel Gabriel to make his mouth mute? And now you can't speak. I'm telling you, wife, he's got authority. He's got so much authority that if he doesn't mute him, his unbelief will stop this from happening. He won't be allowed. God, it's, it's illegitimate for God to bring a miracle if he just speaks unbelief over it. So I have to shut your mouth, make you mute so I can do this miracle. Now, I do believe those prayer, prayer warriors and intercessors, there were, there were prayers that were praying for the Messiah to come. John was the fulfillment of Scripture. So there are, there are prophetic utterances from prophets in Old Testament. It's going to happen whether you realize it or not. It's going to happen whether you pray it because people have prayed it through. Those prophetic utterances like the end times and Jesus coming back, it's all going to happen. We don't have to pray that in because God declared it through a prophet. Now, through the authority of a prophet who lives in this body, earth, this body is an earth suit, gives us authority in this earth. Because they spoke it. It's going to happen. So I believe God had to shut his mouth to make that miracle come to pass. That's how powerful a human being has the authority to alter the destiny that God wants to do. Yes, I'm going to have to make you mute. No other reason, no other purpose to make him mute. Really reason. It's not punishment. It's actually a blessing to him because you're not going to make this happen. You want this so much, I have to, I have to make you mute. I mean, how are you walking around? And only when he was born, he goes to write, his name will be John. Once he said his name will be John, he was able to speak. Wow. Jericho was the same story. Did you know that? Jericho, you read in the Bible, Jericho is this massive city, one of the biggest cities they had to take over. And it was massive walls. They reckon they can run chariots on the walls, very thick, very large. And God told them a strategy to do. And God told Joshua through an angel and everything. So he's got the obedience. He's obeying. He's telling them. He basically says, we're going to walk around. The trumpeters will be at the front. And the priests will be at the front. And they have to walk around once the city and then go sit down. People are watching me. Once, second time, second day, third day, once around, fourth day. On the seventh day, you will travel around it seven times. You know what he specifically says to them? Um, did I write it down? Oh, here, uh, Joshua 6, verse 10. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, you shall, not, you shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voices. Don't even make a noise of your voices. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth. Until the day I bid you to shout, then you shall shout. So the whole time they were walking every day, and that seventh day, he told them, don't even talk. I wonder why. Because they've got so much authority. As a human being, you walk around the Jericho wall and you go, hey, you reckon this thing's going to go down? Oh, I don't think so. No way. Oh, what, what's Joshua doing? I don't have a clue. Who, who made Joshua the leader anyway? I don't know, mate. This is crazy, walking around a wall like this. What, who's supposed to take over this city? I know. We should just bang by the gates and bombard or something. Their doubt and unbelief would have hindered God from doing that miracle. So they had to obey. Thank, I mean, that's, a, that's a miracle in itself. Thousands of soldiers didn't talk. Walking around. It's obedience. 
and the miracle happened, but God had to keep them shut because their mouth has so much authority. We are exercising it all the time. We really are. I was asking God, God, how do, how do I share examples that, that I know I live this. I do my best to live this the best possible. You know, no one does it perfect, but we do our best to speak this. I know my children, I believe, Kristen and I have done this all the time. We've, we try to speak over them over and over. Words of blessing, words of authority, words of, about their destiny. Like just say, you know, you're going to do great things. When they're little kids, they believe everything you say. You're special. Yes, Dad. You're going to be great. Yes, Dad, I know. You always told me that, Dad. You're going to do amazing things. I know, Dad. You told me every day. You know, so I love you. I know, Dad. You love me, Dad. Like You just say it over and over, over and over. And never stop. I'm talking right to their teenagers, teenagers, adults, men. You speak it. You affirm it. You speak the greatness of who God is to them and in them. And as a father, you see their destiny. You see what they can become. You speak it over, over and over. Even you know, we do it like this when, when, when our, we're frustrated with our kids. Or we're frustrated with a teenager. And then all they do is front, in front of the lounge. All they play is PlayStation. You play COD. Or you play Fortnite. Right? They're wasting your, and this is what we can do. We're tempted to look and, and see, speak what we see. God never saw the darkness and go, oh, it's really dark out here. We could look at the teenager and go, you just lazy little brat, aren't you? You'll never amount to nothing. You're wasting your life around. They're not going to change by saying that. It's stating the obvious. See them as God sees them and speak over that. Speak above what they're living. Speak what they can grab. Maybe you speak, you're a champion. Oh, I'm not a champion. But speak something they can get up to. Because they'll live your faith. They'll walk up. They'll live up to your courage. They'll live up to, Dad really believes I can do this. My dad believes, I can. someone believes in me. My dad honors me, even though I don't deserve to be honored. It's powerful. We, Kristen and I have done it with each other. Because sometimes you, when you're married, you get you have frustrations with each other. You have fights. You have misunderstandings. You, you get upset sometimes. You've got to forgive all the time. But I have to see her through God's eyes. And keep getting the word. Kingdom of heaven has to be downloaded so I can speak what God sees over her life. And keep speaking the greatness that's in her. Because she's a queen. She's a princess before God. I've got to learn to see her through God's eyes. That's what keeps us, not just together, stronger and growing. So powerful. I believe in this so much. You can tell I believe in this so much. I really do. I do that with leaders or sons in the house, sons and daughters in the house, raising up leaders all the time. That's so why we've got amazing young people raising up in our church. You speak. You've got authority. So much destroy our own authority. We destroy our own future with our words about our life. Because you maybe hate yourself. You're not happy with yourself. You see yourself down or nobody loves me. You've got that wrong image. Slow, low self-esteem. You've got to download the kingdom of heaven and see how he sees you. Put it in because then you'll speak the will of God. When I first became a Christian, and I'm fin- I am finishing, you probably don't believe me, but <laughs> when I first became a Christian, some of these, these things started to really per- you know, uh, penetrate my heart, influence my heart, my thinking. I had to, I'm learning. I don't know how to live this. I'm trying to. And I, I remember all these scriptures about God's abundance, God's provision. God supplies all my needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I, I bless you with all spiritual blessings. Is financial, financial blessing a, a financial blessing? provision of financial, a spiritual blessing, yeah, because God provides all our needs. So God's the Father. He owns everything. He, he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. All the gold, all the silver belongs to God. He's every, he owns everything. I'm His son. You're His daughter. I want that bigness of abundance in, down here. 
Because if I live out of poverty and out of fear and lack, and Lord, I can't do it. Can't do it. We don't have the money for that. Oh, it's impossible. Oh, that's way too much. I'm speaking it out. I'm talking about a God that owns everything. So I've learned to say as a young believer that if I hadn't, I never had money. But I, I would say I don't have money on me. Meaning to me, my father's got everything. If he needs me to have it, he'll bring it to me. I don't want to just say I have no money because that to me is a statement that I have no money. I can't do this. But yet my father has all the money in the world. My heavenly father. It's that real. Because if your physical dad had all the money in the world, you'd act differently. If he gave you access to that account and gave you the PIN number and the password, you'd act very differently. Now, I can't do my own thing expect him to back me. I've got to do his will. Then I do expect him to back me. Does that make sense? But my words limit him. My words can hinder God from providing. God, I believe God won't pass that because he gave the authority to us and it's illegal or illegitimate for him to act on our behalf if we're speaking down in unbelief. Now, I do believe there's other things in place. Prayer, intercession, people praying, family praying for you that God hears their prayers and blesses you. That's why you can't see it. But and sometimes you have to speak something for so long before it happens. And same with the negative. You speak something out of fear for a long, for a long time, it'll end up happening. It works all the time. Can we pray? I'm going to pray for you, but then we're going to pray for one another. Because we all got this authority. You don't have to earn it. It's been given to you already. It's delegated authority. If there's anyone in this room that has pain or sickness, we are going to pray for them and command the sickness to leave. Because you actually have authority. Why walk out in here, out of here, when you've got the authority to heal the sick? Jesus spoke to the storm. The only time the storm actually listened is when he actually spoke it. He was asleep. The storm was raging. Asleep in the stern. The storm was raging. It's only when he got up, they wake him up. The storm's still raging. That storm should have, you think, should have, that's the Son of God. The Son of God's got authority over us. I'm not going anywhere near him. But it obviously doesn't have that personality. The storm was raging anyway and wants to kill. And it's only when Jesus said, peace, be still, the storm stopped. Not before, only after he spoke. Does that make sense? So I'm going to pray a prayer for us, but then I want us to be really, really honest. Anyone that has pain in their body, you have to do is put your hand up. Let me pray first. Father, I just thank you for every single person in this room and every single person on Facebook, every person that's hearing this message on podcast, that this word will be imparted to us. And we will believe this is from God, not from me. It's God's eternal word that you said we made in your image. We're made in your likeness. You gave us authority. Father, we choose to exercise this authority. And we also choose to download the kingdom of heaven into our hearts and to live out of our hearts. We thank you for this. We make it right now. Make a decision to let go of stuff you have to let go. Make, make a decision to let go of stuff that's wasting your life. Make a decision to say, I'm going to put the word of God in. I'm going to spend time with Jesus, the king of the kingdom. And download his heart, his word into my heart. Jesus name. You've been listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.